All right, we are in our series called Famous Last Words in the book of 2 Timothy. And what we're doing is we're walking through the book of 2 Timothy, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, and we're looking at what is Paul and his last words. Like if you had just one last time to write something down, this is what we're seeing here in the book of 2 Timothy. These are Paul's last words. And so let me ask you a question as we get this started. How many of you guys have ever left a job and it didn't end well? Anybody ever left a job, it didn't end well? How about a friendship? Have you ever left a friendship and it didn't end well? How about a church? Have you ever left a church and it didn't end well? Most of us have a story like that. Why? Because the truth is, many times we just don't handle exits well. And so I felt for a long time about preaching this message called How to Leave a Church Well. I think it's so needed today in our time, in our day and age. And really, that's what Paul is, is kind of addressing here, a situation very similar to this in the book of 2 Timothy, as we read it here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. All right, let's read it. It says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, Phygelus and Hermogenes, the, the only time it's mentioned in the Bible that we know of, is that we don't know anything about them, but what we do know is that the way that Paul writes it here, it's he's talking about them as if Timothy knows who they are, and he's, he's kind of writing about them as if it's kind of surprising that they left, that they walked away, and so here is Paul, you know, he's an apostle, we can call him Pastor Paul in this moment though, here's Paul, he says, all who are in Asia have left me. Now, he's exaggerating here because not everybody in Asia left him, but many times as a pastor, as a leader, when, when one person goes or a couple people depart or somebody goes out of your life, it feels like everyone's abandoned you. And so that's how Paul is writing here. And, and these guys, they could just be like fair weather Christians who just split when time get tough, or they could have been like some of these faithful friends who then became unfaithful. And so no matter how you look at it, Paul is really distressed about this about them departing, and essentially, they were leaving Paul, and so they were leaving part of the churches that he was planting, and so to look at this subject today, we have to really understand something about church, so let's go back to what Jesus said about church, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, one of the most famous passages about the church, and he says this, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, he's having this conversation with Peter about revelation, and, and that he's the Christ, and, and he, said, he talks to Peter, he says, okay, Peter, on this revelation, he says, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, somebody say amen right there, this is Jesus talking, he's beginning to say, this is what he's doing, this is what Jesus started to build. We look in the book of Acts and we see the church being born. Jesus is building the church. This is what is important to Jesus. He says, I'm going to do the building of it. And so many people will say, though, they'll say, well, okay, Jesus is building the church, yes, but why do we even have local churches? Why do we even have local churches and buildings? Because the church is not a building. We are the church. And that's true. We are the church. You are the church. I am the church. But it's also true that, that we are the church when we gather. It's not just individually that we're the church. We are, but that's not the totality of it. In fact, the word ecclesia literally means assembly. So yes, we, the building is not the church that you're sitting in, but it's the gathering of believers that make up and form part of what it means to be the church. So we could say it's the gathering 
and the scattering of the church, that we make up the church. And so in the New Testament, here's what would happen in the New Testament uh, as they were going through and starting to build these different churches that, that eventually uh, there would be a church in Ephesus. And Paul even labeled it, he said, the, the church at Ephesus or the church in Corinth or the church in Lydia's house. And so these churches started to have a local expression to them. And there, used to, there would be these, these places that if you were in Ephesus, you were a part of the church at Ephesus. It wasn't just the church, it was that church. And so if you were in Ephesus at that time, or you were in Corinth at that time, that was the church you went to if you were part of the church of Jesus. Now, now we have all these different expressions. And so there are several different churches even in our city. And some people get frustrated with that because why all these different expressions? But I believe that it actually is part of God's plan that if we do this right, it's like all these different expressions of the church are like pieces of the body of Christ in the church. There might be a hand or a foot or a mouth and together as we all come together, we make up this faithful expression, this full expression of the body of Christ to a community. And so what happens now, though, is that we have all these different local expressions, and so you might have this church or that church, and so what happens from time to time is that people will end up changing from one church to the other. And so how do we do that well when that happens? Again, many times we struggle at exiting well. And, and when I told some people, I said, hey, I'm going to preach on how to leave a church, some people were saying, man... Pastor Sean, doesn't that mean you're going to like cause people to leave Journey Church? Are you a little concerned about that? And actually, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that because this is really a message not just for Journey Church. This is a message for the body of Christ, really. And, and I really don't believe that actually people will leave the church because of this message because of a few reasons. One, it might actually talk you into staying because as we go through this, maybe some of our thinking about church has been wrong and it might reveal some wrong thinking that we've had even about church. Or a, another reason for preaching this message is that it may cause you to go back to a place that you left. And maybe there's some things that you gotta get right. Maybe there's some things you gotta make right with other people. Or it may be that one day, because I know that everyone is not going to be here forever, there may be a season in your life in the future where you're gonna need this and you're gonna need this message. And so you might tuck that away. And here's what I know, like throughout this whole pandemic, there's been an outstanding number of people changing churches and in fact, leaving churches altogether. And so this message is critically important. We need this. We need to know how to handle exits well, not just in church, but even in friendships and jobs and all of these things. And I believe even handling conflict, you can use these principles uh, to get something out of it. And so I'm gonna give you three things, three areas we need to look at when we're talking about how to leave a church well. And number one is this, leave for the right reasons. If you're going to leave, if you feel like you're supposed to leave, leave for the right reasons. So what are some of the right reasons? Well, I thought it'd be important for me to get a little bit of perspective from my wife, and I thought she had something to say on this, and so let's check this out. Okay, so I have Becca with me, and you guys got to understand that like we have been on both sides of this issue before. I mean, we have been... Uh, we've had to leave churches, but then we, on the other side, as pastors, we've uh, watched people leave our church. In fact, uh, it was just not too long ago that um, we were in a local restaurant, and somebody who had left the church came up to me, and we're sitting there at this restaurant, and they come up to me, and, I, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to this new place, and, and they, they're looking at me, and they're saying, and it is so much better. It is so much, I'm thinking, 
you, it might be so much better. Do you have any common sense right now? Like, I am the pastor from which you came. And they're like, it is so much better. And so we've been on both sides of this. And so when we're looking at, like, what are break fellowship issues? Like, what are some reasons why we should break fellowship? So what are some reasons why we should break fellowship? I mean, it seems like in the Bible, most of the time when they would break fellowship, it would be over, like, an extreme sin. Yeah, like, I mean, it wasn't, like small things it was like extreme things right right and even then love covered a lot in the bible so i you know so yeah so like i mean we have like these issues where we tend to break fellowship over all kinds of stuff i mean whether you're a republican or a democrat or you're a mass person or not a mass person a vaccine person or not a vaccine person you know this this preference or that preference or this style or the music's too loud we have all of these things and yet in the scripture break fellowship issues were like extreme sin issues, or maybe like it's a, you know, it's either sin or God's calling you into a new season. Like those are the reasons in scripture. And it seems like we end up, if we just constantly are, are finding reasons to break fellowship, what happens is we end up in this cycle. You were telling me about that earlier. Yeah. I was just saying like, if you're looking for a church where you're going to feel happy, then you're never going to find that church. If you're looking for a church where you get along with everybody there all the time. You're never going to find that church. If you're looking for a church that has just the right ministry for you, you're never going to Well, actually, you are going to find that church, but after a certain amount of time, it's not going to meet that qualification anymore, and so you're just going to find another church. And so it'll just be a series of marriages and divorces with all these churches. Yeah, and so we have like this expectation that when we go to a church, like most people are going to think like us, act like us, be like us, but that's not what the body of Christ is. There, I mean, there is a unity, but there's, you know, we, we want to be a part of a church where like Raiders fans and Chiefs fans can be in the same place together because those Raiders fans need to be saved and they need Jesus, you know? And so, but, but people come together and they're like, how is it that Raiders fans and Chiefs fans can be in the same building at the same time and still love each other? And, and it's because of Jesus. And so we want to make sure that we're called out, not running out. All right, so leave for the right reasons. That was so good. Now, sometimes we don't even know what's going on on the inside of us at times when we're working through this. Uh, let me give you an example. I'll just kind of be real real with us about even some things that have happened in our church. Several years ago, uh, there were some people who were um, starting some small groups, and it was really starting to grow, and they were starting to multiply and just kind of organically develop, and um, the problem was they weren't connected with anything in the church, and yet on the weekends, they would come and just gather more people to multiply these groups, and they were starting to multiply them, and so uh, we met with them. We said, hey, uh, this is great that you guys are doing groups and multiplying groups. Let's connect this back to the church, and let's, let's really advertise this, and let's you know, connect it back to the heart of what's going on and they said no 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 no. we, we don't want to connect it to the church we don't want to provide structure or oversight because as soon as we do that it's going to kill what's happening and this organic thing that's happening is awesome and we just want to keep letting it be organic and I was like oh oh okay um sometimes I like to ask this question I say what happens if what you want to do works this is a great vision question, by the way. What happens if what you want to do works? Because this allows you to end game it, right? And so I said, what happens if what you want to do 
works. And these organic groups just begin to develop and multiply and leaders begin to emerge and start new groups and this thing grows and, and everybody and all this discipleship happens. I said, what happens if like three or four layers in, three or four layers down, some group leader emerges and takes over a group and begins to maybe do some wrong things or teach some wrong things or do it the wrong way or hurt people? What will you do? And they said, well, we would step in and we would correct them or we would remove them or we would, we would uh, fix it. And I said, oh, okay. So you do believe in accountability and you do believe in structure. You just want to be the one in charge. And so sometimes that reveals where our heart really is. See, sometimes what was going on there is, is maybe seeing an issue in the church and saying, well, I want to figure out some way to fix it because there's this problem. Sometimes we have to be sensitive to this because sometimes there's not problems in the church as much as we think there is, but sometimes what's going on is the grace for us to be in a place has lifted. So sometimes when God, I want you to hear this, because sometimes when God calls us to a new season and the grace for us to be in a certain place has lifted, then it seems like everything is wrong. And it's, maybe everything's not wrong. Maybe just the grace for you to be in a place is lifted. And maybe you've experienced that before, like as you left some other place. It's like, you know, everything before it seemed all right, but then as soon as it feels like you're supposed to move on, it seems like everything is wrong. And maybe it's not wrong. Maybe just the grace has lifted for you to be there. And so we have to leave for the right reason. So it could be that the grace is lifted. It could be that you just want to do things your own way. And you have to be real about that and be honest about that, that maybe that's one of the motivations for why you want to do something different or do something on your own. Or it could be that something actually is wrong. And so you have to address that in that way. But either way, you have to deter determine what the real issues are. And so if you are called into a new season, and no matter what it is, and you're leaving for the right reasons, and you're moving on for the right reasons, what do you do now? And that brings us to point number two. You have to leave in the right way. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. We see this clear at the end of this letter. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. So Paul's talking about another person who left, but, and I realize he's talking about like that this guy had an issue with the message they preached but the truth is, this guy did a lot of harm on the way out. He, he was leaving, but he wasn't leaving in the right way. And listen, when we're called to leave and we're called to move on from something, either a job or even a friendship, but especially a church, there are a couple of temptations that we have while we're leaving. Let me give you the two temptations. Just boil it down to these two. The first temptation is this. We, we're tempted to leave with unresolved problems. Like, we've got issues, but we haven't resolved the issues. I can't tell you how many times I've met with somebody who, they said, hey, Pastor Sean, I feel like I'm supposed to move on. God's called me to a different season, and they list off all of these problems that they had and issues that they had with the church. And the, the issue was, these were the first times I was even hearing about the problem. I didn't even know the problem existed. And so they had already made a decision that they were leaving and moving on, but they had never given me a, an opportunity to even address them. And even worse, many times, it's just that they didn't know the rest of the story. And so as I shared with them the rest of the story or filled in the gaps, all of a sudden their reasons and their issues started to dissipate. But the problem is they already made their decision to leave and they'd already told everyone that they were leaving. 
And so there's a temptation for us just to decide that we're moving on and we've got these issues, but we're unwilling to deal with them. You know, when I was a youth pastor and I had to leave an unhealthy uh, church environment, no one wanted to confront the issues. No one, no one, no one on the staff wanted to confront the issues. But, and I could have just left, just like, you know, moved on. But I decided, no, I'm going to give an opportunity for these things to be set right. And so I did the hard thing, and I had a tough conversation. And even though the issues didn't get set straight, I still at least gave an opportunity for them to, to set the issues right, or possibly for me to hear a different side of the story. And so whenever we walk away uh, from any relationship, for, from anything, without giving an opportunity to resolve issues, we're leaving that relationship in an ungodly way. Because the Bible says if we have a conflict that we're supposed to go to the people, that we're supposed to give them an opportunity to repent, that we're supposed to actually go with such a humble heart that we might realize in the end that maybe we're actually the ones that are wrong. We go with such humility. So even like in a marriage, some of us right now, we're carrying around unresolved issues right now. And we're, we're mad on the inside, man. We're, we're holding bitterness and we haven't even given our opportunity to our spouse to even address those issues. And we're not willing to work them out and to come with humility. See, this applies to all relationships. But we're, we're tempted to just leave or to allow unresolved problems over and over again. The Bible says go to them. And especially if you have history, like especially in a church, you know, these days we've got, you know, large churches and our church is kind of a large church in many ways. And, and so you might be here and maybe not have a lot of history and feel like God calls you on and, and that's, that's fine. But if you have history in a church somewhere, don't just disappear without a conversation. Honor people on your way out and, and let them know why. I mean, th this is the godly thing to do. And this is why I say some of us might need to go back and to make some things right where we've been. Because this is the temptation just to leave with unresolved problems. The second temptation is this. It's to leave with other people. Now, watch this. Go back to our key scripture here, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, you are all aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, this scripture could just say, and Phygelus left. But one of the two guys said to each other, said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to leave, and why don't you come with me? And this is what happens so many times uh, in church world, uh, where we just say, hey, if I'm leaving, then I'm going to just take as many people with me as possible. And that's the temptation that we have. And that's why when I was uh, church planting, and, and church planting today, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear this, they'll say, if you want to plant a church, and you want to plant a church, but you're not necessarily being sent by another church, but you're, you, know, you, you want to plant a church, they say, don't plant a church uh, until you've gone at least an hour drive away from the church where you've been, or one year distance or in time from being in that church. Why do they say that? They say that because it's honoring to, a lot, to not take people with you. That's why they say that. And so when I was leaving that unhealthy situation years and years ago, um, you know, I, was, I had a lot of people in that moment. You know, they said, hey, Pastor Sean, would you start a church? Would you start a church right now? And I'm, I'm telling you, people are almost begging me to start a church. And I could have had a couple hundred people right out of the gate just starting a church pulling them out of some other church, which would have been an ungodly thing. Paul says that, that be careful to not, in, to not go over someone else's fear of influence. So what did I do? Well, we waited two years. We, wait, we drove an hour away to a place where we didn't know anybody. 
And so I say that in an extreme way as a church planner, but I also say this to all of us when we leave a place, when we leave, and maybe when you left your last place, maybe there was some things that were unhealthy, and you're tempted to warn other people. Listen, there might be times when we need to do that. But I'm just saying, prayerfully consider those things. Prayerfully, you know, ask God for wisdom on what you should share with other people. You know, be careful. If you've come from another place and you still have friends at, at an, another place that's not Journey Church, I'm, I'm telling you, be careful how you communicate to them. Be careful what you say. Because, yeah, you may love what's happening here in this place right now, and you, you're excited about bringing people over. And I'm, I'm saying man, that may not be a bad thing, but just prayerfully consider how you go about that and do that in a way that honors Jesus and doesn't cause conflict in some other place. So we have to leave in the right way. Now, number three is this. We have to leave with the right heart. And I had an incredible opportunity to witness this so many times, so check this out. So leave with the right heart. All right, let's finish this up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 16. Let's finish up the chapter. It says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered at Ephesus. So this guy was like one of those faithful guys. He was like Timothy. He was a guy who had a right heart. And let me just let you in on a little pastor secret. It's not really a pastor secret. It's actually kind of a Jesus secret. But Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And it's not about money. It's just like that connection is there. And that's where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So I could tell you if I wanted to, and I don't do this, but I could go back and I could tell you right now, I could look through everyone's giving to the church. And I could tell you if there are people who have been giving consistently and then stopped, what's happened is somewhere along the way where your heart once was in this place, it now no longer is. And that's not a Sean principle. That's not even a pastor thing. That's a Jesus thing. So let me tell you a story, an example of this. I had a call from a guy one time who said, who had been a part of the church for a long time, and he wanted to come meet with me, and I kind of knew, ah, it feels like maybe he's going to be moving on and, and leaving the church. And so I sat out in the lobby. I was waiting for him. He opens the door. He comes right in the lobby, but he doesn't come towards me. He immediately comes in here to the auditorium, to our dimly lit offering box area, and he immediately gave an offering. And then he went and he met with me and he told me, yeah, I feel like my family season here is over and we're moving on. Let me tell you what he did in that moment. He knew what he was doing. He was intentionally communicating to God. He was intentionally communicating to himself. And he was intentionally communicating to me that his heart, even though they were leaving and moving on, that his heart was still for us. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He intentionally communicated that. That is an amazing demonstration of maturity, of spiritual maturity. So leave with the right heart. That's so good. So leave with the right heart. Pray for them. Speak well of them where you can. Forgive. Release them. How, how do you know if you're doing this? The, the way you know that you've done this, that you've released them, that you've forgiven, that you've, that you've done what you can with a right heart, the way you know that you've done this is that you're able to fully plug in to what God is doing in, in the new place where God has planted you.
Let me say that again. How you know that you've done this is when you're able to fully plug in to the new place that God has planned in you and what God is doing there. So I challenge you, do you have the right heart right now? Because the truth is the grass is greener where you water it. It's not always greener on the other side. It's greenest where you water it. Now, why is all this important? Let's go back to the scripture that we read at the beginning against, you know, where Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. It's important because Jesus is building the church, and whenever we're sidelined, then we're diminishing the possibility of what Jesus can do through his church. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 16 and skip up to verse 13, it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, this is going to be important, uh, the location where he's at, it says, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him because, or he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so Peter has this revelation, and it says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so yes, on this rock, he was talking to Peter, he was also talking about on this rock of revelation that Jesus is going to be building his church and let me tell you, all throughout the ages, uh, through the early church and through the martyrs and through the dark ages, the light was still left on where, where the church was still being built, even in tough times. And through the revivals of Europe and through the revivals in America and even with the culture wars and all the things that we have going on today and the missionary movements, all these things, the church is still being built. Think about how many times the church could have died during that time, but the church is still being built because this is what Jesus is doing. And the good news is now it's our turn. We get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And so I want you to think, yes, it was a part of, of that revelation that Peter had that Jesus was going to build the church upon that revelation. But let's think about literally where they were at. They were literally standing in front of a big rocky cliff. And, and this is the place where they were at, the base of a large rocky bluff. And, and it was the most pagan place in all of, Pal uh, of, all of Palestine and the, the pagan world. world. They were basically, this was the, the worldwide center for the worship of the Greek god Pan. And at the base of this thing, they would have all kinds of rituals and, and uh, lewd acts and, and ritualistic worship, uh, gratifying the Greek god Pan, and all these sorts of things were happening there. There, there were notches in the, the walls of this cliff where they would put idols and all these abominations. Uh, most devout Jews would never go to this place. It was a place, there was a, a mouth of a cave there at the, the base of it uh, that was literally called the Gate of Hades or the gate of hell. And they believed that that was the gateway to the underworld and that during the winter, the, the fertility gods lived in there and that was the gateway to the underworld. It was a pagan place. It was a place, a very, very dark place. He was literally standing at the gates of hell when he said, this is what I'm doing and I'm gonna build my church. Why is that important? I believe it's important because Jesus proclaims that even in this darkness, even in the darkness that he was standing in, that even in that type of environment, the gates of hell will not 
prevail against what Jesus is building. So listen, there's good news for us today. In all the stuff that's going on in the world today, I believe Jesus was communicating that not only in spite of that, but, but because in the midst of all of this darkness, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I believe he was taking it a step further, that the church can be built. You can find the deepest, darkest places on the planet, and the church can still be built there. You can find even the most hurt people and the darkest people on the planet, and those are the type of people that God can take and turn around and build his church from. It's not a perfect church. Yeah, there are things that even as a church we need to repent of. There's things that we need to make right, but we are a part of what God is building, and it's an amazing thing, and the grass is green where you water it. And so as the worship team comes back up, you know, maybe you need to go back and you need to make something right where you were at. Maybe there's some things, uh, some conversations that you need to have with other people. Maybe you need to tuck this message away because maybe one day this will be a message that you need as God calls you into a different season. Or, or maybe you've been tempted to leave even this church and as a result of this message, maybe you realize that maybe there's some adjustments that you need to make in your perspective. And it could be any one of these things. But I just feel like as we close that God is going to heal some hurts. He's going to give us some wisdom to move forward. And he's going to give us something to hang on to, even in these dark times that we live in at times, to realize that he is still building his church and it's time to plug into it. So let me pray. God, we thank you so much that you're still building your, your church, that you've been faithful, that your church is still going to thrive, that there's been many times when the enemy has tried to stamp out the fire, but it still continues even in the darkest times. The light has still stayed bright. And Lord, we want to be the type of people that still shine bright no matter what we're going through, no matter what our turmoil is, no matter if, even if we're having conflict, even if we're struggling, even if we're uh, into a, you know, being transferred into a new season, Lord, we want to honor you in every way that we possibly can. Lord, I pray that you would heal hurts that have happened. Lord, that you would take blinders off our eyes so that we can see things clearly. Lord, help us to have love one for another no matter what's happening in our life. And we trust that you're going to do that because that's the kind of God you are. And we thank you so much for doing it. In Jesus' name.